That other stuff was like perfect. It was, I mean, the best stuff we record is before I, I hit record. Yeah. Oh, well. So I was out and about last week, a couple days before the Super Bowl. Yep. And uh, I ran into this dude, dude, Chiefs fan. He had a jacket. He had, I'm not kidding, a dangly Chiefs earring. Okay. Like with the arrowhead thing. Yep. And he kind of looked like a pirate. Yeah. So I started to, I was like, how are you feeling? You feel nervous? And he's like, nope, not at all. Not mm-hmm. at all. And we got to talking about, you know, it's like, I don't feel nervous either. I think, and this is a little ahead of ourselves. I was like, I think we could win by at least 10 points. I oh. feel, I felt way more nervous about the Bengals game. And he's like, me too. You know, and we just kind of, you know, we had a couple minutes of chit chat. It was fun. It's always nice to see a fellow fan, especially out here in a different state. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, cool. And I was like, yeah, let's. Right, good luck. Like you're gonna watch the game. He's like, yep. And then as I was leaving, he says, uh, "Go Chiefs, brother." And uh, you know what I said? What you said? I said you too. That's uh. You know what? Uh, I didn't know you were gonna tell that story, but I I have a special guest for uh, for us tonight. Yeah. Dennis, come in. It's the guy from the parking lot. Dennis, he's here. Oh no. <laughs> My buddy. It's it's always hard when someone uh, you meet for the first time and they say they say uh, a partying thing and you say the worst thing possible. Yeah, well, it's just on autopilot, but it just it wasn't appropriate for. No, but I I think um, I have definitely seen uh, people who are fans of the same team I am and not said anything. So I, I applaud you for uh, saying something. Oh, it was cool. It was uh, it, breaking the ice of being uh, part of the human experience of seeing someone, you know. So yeah. I, he was obviously a fan. I was in a good mood. I was like, hey, you're in a good mood. Feeling? How you feeling? And he knew exactly what I meant. You know, I pointed at his jacket. And he's a cool. He was a cool guy. Like a long. Cool. Sounds cool. I mean, I Probably. talked to Dennis. I said, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? And he said, for sure, brother. It's like okay. a biker type guy, like a cool, like a, probably has some stories about some stuff. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I was vibing with him. I was like, see, I'm just walking through the world, making friends with cool people. And he says, go Chiefs, brother, as I'm walking away. You. And I say, you too. And uh, so let's let's take a, let's go into Dennis's footsteps if we, if we can. Do you think he left that conversation thinking, I don't know if that guy was a Chiefs fan? No. He knew? I knew my, I, I knew my thing. I was, I, you knew? It was, we talked about the season. It was clear we had both watched some games. Okay. I was more nervous about the Bengals game. But the, but the ending was kind of weird. Yeah, I think he's cool enough to where okay. he just kind of let it roll off. It's more me. It's more you, and then you analyzed it for a while. It's like, yeah. did you tell your wife this story? No, mm. she didn't I liked her opinion on this because mm. I think she would have been like, boy, yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Talk to more people and stop reading so many books. I do need more social skills. Maybe that's the that's the this key. has nothing to do with your, your statement, maybe a little bit, but do you ever? When someone says, I don't know, 
of phrases like at work someone says goodbye to you and you weren't expecting it and then your your voice maybe cracks and you're like see see you later and you're self analyzing your goodbye this happens to me once a week and it just it kind of wrecks you for 15 minutes is that more of a me thing is that no one else closer to a you thing okay I uh sometimes yeah the the wrong you're not paying attention and somebody says something to you and then like the wrong thing pops up mm. like yeah they're like see you later you're like what oh me yeah and then you keep walking and then could have come off as rude I mean this might just be me I I sometimes want to stop and be like can we redo that can we stop and then yeah. redo the you know the most normal thing ever to say goodbye to somebody mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's I, I do the thing sometimes where i sometimes walk by somebody and they're like see you later almost like i've insulted them but like i didn't say goodbye but i don't know i think this is more of a me thing the more i'm saying it out loud and the more you're looking at oh, me like i am you're and, it, and it, i i have an awkward of- person yeah, well, I have traces of this too, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it's kind of sometimes it can be concentrated in certain people in different ways. But it's you're in your head. I am. You're in just head. in a book. Your head's in the clouds all day. Is it so? When somebody pulls it out and like interacts with you on a social level, you're not ready because you're just thinking about you know Polish literature. Yeah. Well, hey, sometimes I am. Um, so. After two and a half years, have we finally come to the conclusion reading books is bad for your social skills? No. No? Okay. No. It's not. It just happens, and you got to roll with it, right? Just roll with it, okay. Yeah, but just I, don't overthink The whole thing is don't overthink it. You got you to gotta act. Act cool. You got to act in the real world, but also you can have your books, knowledge and theory and knowledge. It's the path of uh, uh, wisdom for fives on the Enneagram, actually. I don't know what you just said, the last part. If you're a five, we talked about this before. I'm going to make you read an Enneagram one of these days. I'm a five. I suspect you are as well. Maybe a six. Is there a one? There's one through nine. Probably a one. No. They're morally judgmental. Oh. Everybody's got a little bit of one. I have a little one in me. But uh, there's usually a characteristic where that's kind of you. I suspect you're a five or a six. I don't, I mean, is this, is that good or bad? That's the none are good, none are bad. It's not a good sign of out of yours. Hmm? To the- pinpoint your behavior and what motivates you and to gradually uh, change it in healthy ways and become a whole person. So you want to have one through nine? You have one through nine. It's like a circle. Like an eek, but see, 100% of you can't divide that by nine. That makes me upset. There should be 10. Mm, no, it's not. Like you a, understand what I'm saying? Cause I understand not, what you're saying. 10% of all nine, there's like 10% mystery. Is that it's what? not a percentage thing. Well, a, yeah. yeah, same. But that's, I mean, this is the essence of our podcast. It's it, a self-development tool, right? To change your your behavior, to become a more uh, whole person. What does that mean, though? Like, let's say you become a whole person. 
you read this more well book one week a romance book the next week a history book a fiction book you're a whole person right you're saying hello to everybody sure. yeah yeah that's... I awkward <laughs> you read yeah. all the genres i read all the genres and you you hit the hit this peak of whatever the nine the nine steps of being a, a great person okay you get a, an award at that point or is it just just live a more fulfilling life okay it's, it that's is okay it's not all rewards based oh that's a problem i have what's could be a three that's a three what is three achievement based always pursuing something they're so, usually the go-getters climbing so, the ladder so athletes are threes probably ceos are threes yeah yeah so th- you kind of want to be a three right no, you don't want to be one or the other, right? It, it, it's just okay. there's usually one that you read about. You read about all nine. There's usually one that kind of hits you. Like, oh, man, that's me. I'm a Fives kind of live in their heads. Oh, I definitely. And action, like, and part of their development involves going out into the world and actually doing stuff. Because we like to have just, it, we're not opposed to doing stuff. It just would like to have all the information and all the theory correct before you do it. And then if you're not careful, you realize you're just in your head and you never act, right? And you say, you too. And the guy says, go Chiefs, brother. Anyway, I'm glad we took that little tangent. Yeah, it was pretty accurate. I just actually, you kind of hit me. Yeah, I think you're right. I am a five. Right, I mean, and it's not good or bad. It's just everybody's got qualities and faults and you recognize them and deal with them and do we do we have too much time as a society that we come up with these things or is no that... this is like a medieval thing okay some people think it comes from even earlier from uh the middle east mm, okay so it's not too much no that's i mean what else are you gonna do Talk we have too many distractions in modern society okay where in, in an ideal society you just talk about the enneagram all day Rebuff. is that that's what you talk about all day yeah you know what i wish i would have done yeah I'm ready. just raise my fist like the end of that one movie is it a, uh yeah or he's walk with the breakfast club where the guy's walking away and just raises his fist like yeah i should have done that if i could go back in time and that's what i do okay yeah i think yeah yeah we're fives and sixes is that the title of this episode? Sixes are fear-based, and so all their decisions. I think I might be. I I might have some fear-based in me. Mm-hmm. Do you well, have no... what, supposedly most people are sixes? Really? Yeah. How many? I mean, I would think different cultures would have different maybe people like. I don't know. Well, you fear motivation. There's actually two different types of sixes: people who don't do things because out of fear sometimes people lean into it and like your daredevil types mm. they can be sixes too they embrace it but they're still motivated out of, out of fear i think i think this is maybe in a, a couple months we revisit the uh what's this called enneagram the enneagram we, i got a couple books on it I okay maybe maybe we pick them maybe give you one maybe i guarantee that we pick one Wink, wink, we will. We'll do a it'll, we'll do an Enneagram episode. I, I mean, I will need three emails requesting this. Oh, to actually do it. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Well, you have to lose our, our bracket. We'll do brackets for March Madness. So, okay. And on that note, welcome to There Will Be Books, a podcast about books and Enneagrams. I'm Peter, joined as always by Matt. Matt, I knew you were into other things other than books. And sometimes I'm surprised by your your depth of what you're interested in. Yeah, I thank you. You knew this much about Enneagrams, I'll be honest. Um, thanks. In my head, there's two, there's two. I got the devil and angel on my shoulder. And I'm like, okay, do I just slough it off? Like, oh no, you know, whatever. No, no, no. Or do I lean into it and roll Go, with the Give me the devil. Give me the devil. Yeah, you know, I, I I read a lot and I take this stuff seriously. And there's a I'm a well-formed person because Give me the angel. I doesn't read the any Give me the angel. Oh no, no, it just seems that way. I know a lot of trivia, but I don't but, think uh, this is trivia though. There are there are there are people much smarter than me. No, come on. And then I just move us on to something else. Well, Matt, uh, I'm going to move us on. We have, oh, you're pointing at me. This is an audio. I wanted to hit before, because we got, we got book. It's our February book selection, but we're doing short stories. Yes. February, like a gimmick. Mm -hmm. All the seas of the world. Mm -hmm. But I also have some slow house, slow horse prop bets. Okay. Which is, if if you're not a Patreon member, that is our next thriller book, uh, Slow Horses. Which, if that name sounds familiar, it was turned into a, uh, I believe, Apple TV TV show. Yeah. But it is a multi-book, almost 10 books, I think, at this point, um, thriller series. So. Yeah. And we're reading the first one for our thriller corner over on Patreon. We mm-hmm. do a little fun thing. Uh, before we start and know anything about the books, we do prop bets on what we think is going to happen. It's pretty fun. Our Lions of Lucerne ones are really fun. We forgot to do it at the end of our selection episode. So before everybody gets going, okay. uh, let's, we're going to do it real quick. I, uh, Karen, our patron Karen, is done already. So, she finished the book. Yeah, which is good because... It seems like it's a fast, fun read. That's, that but is it's also like, okay, I need to get going. Yes. Sorry, Karen. You can't do the prop bets, but <laughs> you can tell us if we're on to something because I have not uh, read it. I, I watched the trailer for the show and I know it's kind of like both an homage and a, kind of a little parody of a John Le Carre. So, and it's very, supposedly very British. So, with those in mind, I have these prop bets. If you want in on the bets, send us in, let us know, okay. and we'll review them after we Because, for instance, Lions, Lucerne, we talked about how many times they would reference, was it Switzerland? How many Swiss stereo? It takes place in Chocolate, stuff like that. Like, yeah. will there be an action scene on a ski slope? Stuff like that. So. Over. Ready? Prop yes. bets. Prop preps. I'm ready. I'm going to write these down. Okay. Okay. So, actually, the first one. It's called Slow Horses, mm. and it's about sli- spies who are maybe not the best and the brightest go to a work in an area of their agency called Slough House, S-L-O-U-G-H. So our first bet is, is Slough a pun off slow? Will that wind up being a play on words? Slow Horses work in Slough House. 
I'm actually not sure how. I've been pronouncing it slough. Is it pronounced similar? Is it a pun of some sort? Yes or no? Bet number one. I like that. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. Let me Google this while I'm talking to you. Well, as, your, as your son is talking to you as well. I think Slough is a city um, from the, the British office. I could be completely wrong. I'm Googling this as we speak. Okay. Well, don't be careful not to see the answer. We have to disqualify. It was set in Slough. The British office? Yes. Well, it's the, we'll find out if the book takes place there. Can I? Slough, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. It's all right. It's all right. Is all right? No, keep. I was wondering, is um, that's nah, impossible that they would reference the office. That okay, scratch that. They reference the office. It can't be. It was 2010. They could refer if they reference the British no, office. That would that would be months. too much. That would be too much. If you want in on it, I'll give you plus 1,200 odds that they reference. If you think they do, nobody has to take it. No, Plus they're not gonna, 1200. They're not going to reference the office. Was that 12 to 1? That's a good odds, though. Yeah, give me 12 to 1 on that one. 12 to 1 odds if they reference the British office. Okay. So it's supposedly very British, lots of British slang. Uh, tea references. Ooh, People tea references. Have, have a cup of tea. That guy didn't have his tea, whatever they say in Britain. Six. I'm setting it at 6.5. No, 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 no. That's too high. Too high? Yeah. He references T in, in Britain. Let's do four and a half. You want to set it at four and a half? Okay. Four and a half over under. Set it at four and a half. Okay, we'll have to adjust the next one then. And okay. you can parlay this with the T one. How when they reference T, is it do does anybody call it a cuppa? No, cuppa. 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 I had it three point five. You want to lower it to one point five? Let's do one point five. One point five, and you can parlay the two if you want. This is ridiculous. Okay, I like it. Uh, in it, in it. What's that mean? British people say "in it." Instead, they? have you ever watched British people on TV or in movies? I have. In it, what's the deal then? In it, they're always saying "in it." I'm not going to argue with it. What's the? You've never heard that before. I don't. I'm not entirely sure what you're saying right now. In it, in it for isn't it? They say in it. In it. Okay. In I think it. I know what you're talking about. That's what that is in my in it. In it. Okay. In it. In it. In it. In it. The audience knows what I'm talking about. In it. 1.5. Okay. In it. Take point, the over or the under. In it. 1.5. I'm going to take the over. You're going to take the over. Okay. I'm taking the over on the T and the cuppa and everything. I'm going to take, take, take the under on all of those. Under and all, I'm taking the over on all. Okay, so just, okay. How many times do the characters call each other mate? You know, they oh, say mate. mate. What's, the deal then? What's the deal then, mate? Gotcha. What's a good number for that? Uh, 6.5? 6.5. 6.5. Could, could be low, could be high. I'm not entirely sure. That's the thing. We're still getting a feel for this. And we've never read it. But okay. Hey, I got, I, got, I got a question for you. A yeah. prop bet for you. Is there an actual horse in this first book? That's not bad. Point five. So it just has to reference an actual horse. We could do yes or no and give odds. See, you're acting like say, an official, I'm gonna say no. you're going to say no. 
I'm going to say no. Well, no on the, the prop, but I like it as a prop. Horse. I think is horse. I don't think so. I think it's a metaphor for. Well, I'm sure it's a metaphor, but sometimes you can play with the metaphor in the book. What if it's not connected to the name? If it's just like a coincidence. That counts. The characters go on a riding somewhere or they take a carriage through London or something. Does that count? If there's a horse, yes. Okay. Is there going to be a horse? The character ride it? Can it be one of its background? It's got to be like part of the, like a character has to ride a horse, right? No, no, no. It can be background. I was, they were driving through the countryside and there's a horse on the side of the road. No, just maybe there's a, a police officer on a horse. That counts. Is there a horse in the book? Yes. Is there a horse in the book? I'm with you there. Just need one. I just need one. Just one horse. And I win that. Okay. I'm going to say no. You're going to say no. Okay. Although it's tempting. I'm tempted to say yes, but but it's in the city. I'm going to say no. Okay. I I, I do think that the, the uh, British police do ride horses sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a rare thing. But it does happen. So good call. That's an interesting one. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Okay. So that's it for the British slang and the horse stuff. We get into plot things. Uh spy novel. So it betrayal. It's probably gonna be a betrayal. Yes. From who? And you can say none too. It, there doesn't have to be a big betrayal, but I have inner circle from a love interest, from the boss, or none. I'm going to go inner circle betrayal. That was mine too. Okay. Uh, And if you think of another one, you can certainly add that, but those are like, who does the betrayal come from? Or there can be no big betrayal. Here's my theory on this. I think uh, a new series, okay, when the author's writing this, McCarran, I think it, it, it benefits you from having a like an inner circle betrayal to kind of kickstart your series. Yeah. Doesn't it? Or or I could also see like an outer, maybe mm-hmm. someone from the outside. Or somebody. Somebody, I think a betrayal happens in this. Like story. I don't I don't think it's the Gary Oldman character. You'd assume it wouldn't be. Yeah, I want twist, but maybe somebody else. There'll be like a, a inner circle or whatever. Or from outside, like the prime minister could be the bad guy. Whatever, whatever. Okay. Uh, significant death. Okay. Will there be one? Yes or no? I'm gonna go no. No. I think yeah. Um, I think a death, a significant death happens in maybe the second or third book. Okay. Yeah, probably won't be a betrayal. And a what? What? What's your thoughts? I'm gonna say yeah. You're gonna say yes. I'm gonna say okay. yeah. Interesting. Um, gonna be a love story. No. No? Nothing. Okay. What Your thoughts? I'm going to say yeah. Are you just going opposite of me right now? Yes. I appreciate the honesty. Okay. Villains. Who are the villains going to be? International, internal, a rival agency? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go internal... Um. Not necessarily like the internal, like a, you know, like a a mole or something like that, but maybe like a homegrown somebody. Okay. We're not going kind of outside the country. 
on this one. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I gotcha. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say rival agency. Ooh. Like, because they're supposedly the, the slow horses, right? I'm going to say it's like the Mighty Ducks. They're going to, their rivals are going to be uh, like the good spies. They're going to have to bash heads with. I've always appreciated the British that what's the MI5, MI6. Mm. This is going to sound cr- like I know nothing and I don't know anything. Is there an MI4, 3, 2, 1? Like, is there other? No? I don't think so. Okay. I'm just asking questions. I mean, we're not British. <laughs> Isn't it? You said that very confidently, like there wasn't an MI4? Pretty but- sure. You're pretty sure. Okay. I don't know enough to like tell you why or anything. I just let's move on. Well, I'm gonna Google MI4 while you're talking. Okay, last thing. Uh disguises. Um, different levels of the disguise. Do you think there's gonna be one? If oh, there's, so, there's definitely okay. Those so here's the odds. Going undercover, you can get plus one hundred if they just go undercover, pretend to be somebody else, whatever. Uh, having to speak a different language plus 300, um, mission impossible masks or like, Oh no. On high tech bond gadgets, like crazy stuff like that. You can get plus 1000. So it's basically a scale of what types of disguises are going to go on here. I'm going to go basic level, basic going undercover. Yeah. Me too. By the way, um, MI1 was responsible for code breaking. MI2 dealt with Russian and Scandinavian intelligence. MI3 was concerned with the rest of Eastern Europe. And MI4 was responsible for aerial reconnaissance. Oh, you're saying past tense. So did they get wrapped I think up? Those were all because there's it's, the, the headline says we've all heard of MI5 and MI6. What happened to MI1, 2, 3, and 4? Hmm. hmm. It's almost like Google knew what I was looking for. So I think it probably did. Hey, well, that's cool. I was totally wrong. Good for you. Basic, basic uh, um, disguises. Fact checking. Gotcha. Oh, basic disguises. Yeah. And that's it. Fun little prop bets for our Patreon book. And that is slow horses. I would guess probably don't watch the series before we read the book. Not before we read it. You can watch it after. I'm going to watch it after. I, I agree. And uh, uh, also I'm going to get going on the book because apparently it's good and people are ahead of us. Our, our patrons are ahead of us. But So if you haven't read it already, we'll trust you guys. Get your prop bets in and there'll be prizes at the end. And if you, if you have read it, I mean, just dominate the prop bets. You could. You could easily. There might be a mini investigation, but you know, well, Matt might, might give you an enneagram test, and he might send you on your way. Yeah, was that mean? That was not me. Oh no, that's. I knew me. you're passionate about that, but I was kind of. I'm okay. It's all right. Okay. Um, where do you want to go next? We have all the seas of the world, or short story February. You want to talk about all the seas of the world? I, I do want let's let's yeah. go there and then we'll end up on uh short story uh February. Yeah. If you remember, Matt, I thought Guy Gabrielle K was a dead author. 
And you had heard of him, but you assumed he had died. I heard of him, but I assumed he was dead. Mm-hmm. He is not dead. He is con- still writing this book. This book came out I be- last year? Last year, yeah. I didn't really know what to expect. You had kind of briefed me on sort of a fantasy historical novel. How would you it, – it, it resembles kind of the past and history and ancient history – in a way not ancient history but maybe medieval history right but it's they change the names a little bit but it's fairly certain like who people are kind of that's one of my favorite things about it actually i was going to dive deeper into that we'll, we'll dive into the category later but and i was worried that it would be part of a series and i wouldn't completely understand what was going on right mm. those were kind of my reservations I get into the book. I'm enjoying the book. I have to say this is I, f- I feel bad not knowing more about Kay as an author and what kind of like his his works and his worlds and kind of the stories he tells because I would say I was, I was very impressed by a lot of aspects of this book. It's entertaining. It's got great characters. I think it has something to say. And I, and I do enjoy that aspect where we kind of talked about where it is tied to sort of our historical past, right? It mm-hmm. has a resemblance to um, kind of medieval Europe. It's kind of like historical fiction, basically. It is. It yes. gets categorized in fantasy. I think half because his first novels – Back in the 80s, he wrote a fantasy trilogy, a very good fantasy trilogy, by the way. Mm-hmm. But then I think once you get kind of categorized as that, you're there for a while. But it's essentially this story took place in late medieval, early Renaissance Europe. Basically, there's different names like Italy is Batiara, Spain is Esperania. And there's just a touch, just a touch of the supernatural. It's, it's one of my favorite things about his books is everything's got a different countries and cities have different names, but you can kind of dig and figure out like, okay, like a uh, Ceresa, I think is Venice in this one. Mm-hmm. It, it, I think it's just an added element. It makes it kind of fun. It's, like, it's kind of weird. I, I think there is a, like a, so in the United States, the kind of like the cover art for the hardcover makes it look like it's a fantasy book. Uh, art, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It makes it look like it's. I think there's a there's a world where they kind of push this more into the historical. You could fiction realm in a weird way. I wonder because there's just like a sliver of supernatural. There's a scene in this one where a guy dies, and then the next brief, like a half a page, is from his perspective. He's watching himself leave his body, and it's kind of comical. It's kind of mm-hmm. funny. Uh, and that's, I mean, there's just like little, little bits throughout the story where it's supernatural, but you could almost argue it's like magical realism. Like, I was going to say Garcia it was Marquez more, doesn't it, get put in fantasy. It felt more in the magical realism sense of sort of the unknowable during this time frame of, if, if let's say it's historical fiction, it's like the unexplained is explained by voices in your head or you know unknowable forces it's sort of what it felt it didn't feel completely fantasy to me it it felt more historical fiction but 
it it never uses the terms of sort of Spain, Italy, North Africa, Turkey, is Istanbul, those kind of things, mm-hmm. which is sort of if you kind of know like the history of the area, those are sort of the reference points to it or the, oh, yeah, the major religions of the area, that, that kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of like the background of, of the novel. And that's kind of like a, a, a good starting point for like understanding where the book kind of takes place in the setting and the reference points to it. Right. But I quite enjoyed the characters in this novel. Um, I don't know if these characters are in previous sort of. Some are. Some yeah. are. I didn't know that. And it, I don't think it took away too much from kind of being coming into the book fresh and, and new. Um, yeah. I The only criticism I have of the book is. I don't even know if it's a criticism. It felt I, I could have been more like a stay with one character maybe a little bit longer and it also felt like if you read the kind of like the beginning like who are the characters in this book i don't know exactly what that's called but like in each region there's a list of characters i kind of was just like following that and it it wasn't disjointed but it could have been a little bit cleaner for me as far as like storytelling wise. Um, but that those are minor criticisms of, of the book. But overall, I was, I would pick up another one of his books. I'll just Pretty say good, that. Right? Yeah. I, it's, I, I was surprised. I'll say that. He's a good writer. Good it, writer, it, good well, storyteller. I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure this will be a fun fantasy book when you pick it up. And it is fun, but it's also, he can wax philosophical while not distracted from the story, kind of dip into some. I'm glad you liked it. He's a good writer who happens to write this kind of historical fantasy type stuff. Yeah, it's there's political elements to it. There's the love interest of the novel that I was invested in. There is um, a lot about like the backstory of the characters that you slowly learn more about them and, and that importance, which I appreciated. Um, I just, I don't, yeah, I, I thought it was, it seems like it could be a standalone, but it's part of a over bigger series. So I, had I known, like looking back, cause we do the selection thing mm-hmm. and I just, I saw he K had a new novel. And so I threw it out there. Had I known you were going to go for it, mm. like for certain, like, oh, Peter's going to do that. I might have started with um, the first one of this trilogy. But I don't think it is. You can do it like the Falco de Corsi, the mm-hmm. warlord. He was a big part of the last one. And there, there's little people that pop up. One of the the Batiaran slash Italian clerics was like a main guy in the previous one. So it's it's more like treats for people who have read the earlier ones. I didn't feel like the Corsi is a, I think he's fully flushed. My issue sort of with like, oh, this character has been in the previous one is it's a minor character in this book and it's a bigger character. Like you can't really tell, but I felt like he was a, a pretty major character in this book. Um, so I didn't need too much backstory to like appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, like one of the 
uh, this is the third of his little trilogy that takes place kind of in the Renaissance type. It is clearly Mediterranean Europe, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, the previous one was like the fall of, uh, we'd call the fall of Constantinople. It's Serantium in this one. And then it gets changed to Asharia. So that's kind of the, the fun little like language changes. But that's like the big historical event that takes place in this fantastical world. I don't know if we're if we're communicating it. I think it's a fun thing that he does. I don't know if the categorization matters so much, but it's it's a fun little twist on. I've never. I don't think I've read a book where it's like if you didn't know like the history behind it all, it would seem like a fantasy novel, right? Because mm-hmm. all the names are changed. The map, the map. I mean, the map is very clearly kind of the Mediterranean. But it looks a little different. A little different, but it's pretty close. The sort of taking, kind of melding the two worlds of fantasy and historical fiction together, I think is quite enjoyable. Um, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a it's kind of a fun reading experience. It's, I don't, it is, it's not like completely serious and it's not completely fun. I think he, he finds a mix of, both worlds if that makes sense yeah. of like then, he, he does have something to say about the characters and their experiences and kind of a lot about you know where people have come from and the trauma maybe of of some of the the major characters and of how they deal with some of the trauma from when they were kids or yeah. young. well and this one is specifically had to do you notice most of the characters were exiled in some way mm-hmm. cut off from the roots Mm-hmm. Like Lenia and Raphael were both kind of wanderers and they got cut off from the roots. There's a lot, there are a couple of ancillary characters were ex- literally exiled by their governments. That was kind of the, like a loose thread that kind of tied everything together. It's almost too like, like a geopolitical thing. Like that's maybe still like a commentary on, t- I mean, you can. Oh, sure. Yeah. And it's, I'm the- sure you could delve like into contemporary times how these characters fit in, but. Yeah. Um, as as far as a a fantasy enjoyable series, I was surprised in that I gave it. I think on Goodreads four stars. Uh, just the the minor thing of I don't know exactly what I was looking for as far as how the story uh, how I wished it would progress, but um, there were some, some surprises I guess with the characters. I just kind of wished for more like once i kind of fully understood what was going on yeah i don't know if that it just no, but that's not necessarily a bad thing that's that could be yeah leave one more and i i kind of want to dwell on that for a sec because mm. it's kind of not there's not a traditional storytelling structure for this one like the story arcs beginning middle and end you know that whole uh yeah traditional climactic whatever chart you see in writing school or whatever this is more like i I kind of thought of as like a sprawling canvas like one of those paintings with a lot going on in a battle and there's kind of your main people and all the people at the sides and you kind of get and i'm going to say stream of consciousness but i don't mean it in like a pretentious literary boring way i mean it just like kind of things flow from one thing to another and you'll get like the character I described earlier who just died and you get like half a page 
of him watching his body leave and he's kind of a minor character you know it, it's almost like you're getting descriptions of everything that's going on on this canvas and it was kind of taking you through like a tour guide at an art museum like taking you through everything that's happening on this canvas here's this person's story here's all the stories of everybody everything happening at this moment in time here's here's what's going on and i really like thinking of it that way it's, yeah. that's actually a perfect wave because it, it's it's, kinda... it you feel like you, you're jumping into different areas of the world yeah. kind of and sometimes you don't follow the character same character to the different parts of the world or kind of the region but that that's a good way of looking at it is you see the canvas the map of the world and then the different cities and the different characters we'll zoom in and tell you a little bit about what's going on because it, it doesn't have your typical um narrative structure i would say not that it's like difficult to understand what's going on or it's like experimental or anything like that not in that's that's not what's going on it's more of a snapshot of different areas and sort of how our i would say three main characters fit into that Mm -hmm. i would say there's three main characters how they fit into the world yeah yeah Corsi, lenia and uh yeah and I would say that they kind of it, he ties it all together fairly well with mm-hmm. kind of their the backstory and the motivations of our kind of main characters. I would say more the two Linia and and Raphael kind of are it kind kind of turns into maybe like a love story in a, in a way, but yeah. it doesn't fully commit to that. And, and it, it's kind of strange how that kind of well, there's not your typical love story beats mm-hmm. that happen but you could argue they're not like the characters one you know exile one's very cut off from a root so you know i i don't know i don't know if it would be right for the characters if it had kind of the romance story beats that you're looking for as far as their like love story is concerned i would say um kind of like the high i i did enjoy their kind of their two stories, but I thought DeCourcy was like a very interesting and strong character. Um, yeah. You kind of mentioned that he was in a previous novel. I just like the way that he was sort of this. I appreciate when there's someone who seems to be like above everybody else and sort yeah, of like yeah. smarts and like tactical, um, not like battles, but sort of like the, the politics he, of it all. He's an Italian, he's basically an Italian warlord. So they're called Batiar in yeah. this book. He's basically a warlord from like the 1400s. Actually, in the one he's in before, it's him and a rival warlord. Are the okay. two they kind of go at it. And that's one of the the engines of a previous one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's fun. He, yeah, kind of above it all, tactical well, genius. Yeah. He just seems like someone that he instills like fear in the in the enemy and like admiration and sort of the people that you're followers. yeah his followers i guess so um yeah i would say strong characters i like the how he ties in sort of the elements of it's not fantasy it's not historical fiction but it's a melding of the two so i would i mean i don't know where to go from here next with his books i don't know if i should go back to the first have, one in yeah his trilogy I or i don't Let me lay it out. Here's my thoughts. Okay. 
you're a grown man, you can do what you want. But so I, I would recommend for like, I love this book, was not disappointed at all. But if you're listening to this, I maybe if you like the idea of this trilogy, maybe start with uh, the first one. What in is, just the just the trilogy, just to you know, what what is it? Let me make sure. Um, is it the is it the brightness one? long ago? Brightness long ago. Okay. No, start with Children of Earth and Sky, then a brightness long ago, and this is the third of that. So maybe just do them in that order. And then, you know, you'll recognize some people. Like, uh, there's a scene here where Lenia goes to a little convent, you know, and talks yeah. to the headmistress of the convent. And she actually doesn't get along with the headmistress. And if you're just reading this book, you're like, oh, the headmistress lady is kind of, I don't like her because she doesn't get along with our main character. Mm-hmm. But in one of the previous books, that's one of our main characters, the headmistress. Okay. She's actually pretty likable. And I like, he doesn't go into it. You, I just kind of recognize the character. And it's like, oh, she was actually a really fun, likable character in the previous book. But in this one, she shows up briefly as the antagonist of our one of our main characters here. And it's just like a little Easter egg type thing. It's like, oh yeah. And I like the perspective shifts and she kind of comes off as not likable, but that's because you're only getting it from a different perspective. So there's also a um mind you, I just I I'm this is maybe the third book in the series or whatever. I, I enjoyed the fact that certain characters I thought would stay around longer. Not that they like died or anything like that. They just sort of dropped off and it was sort of you kind of just ended that story with like an uh, like a a chapter or a passage about and I was like and I remarked on one of them. I was like, huh, that's interesting. They, this character that I thought would maybe follow. And I think the character I'm thinking of comes back at the end uh, of the book. But it just seems he has the confidence to kind of that's not the point of this story. Like it's a, like you said, a snapshot of sort he's of just like, who's that guy at the edge of the painting? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's not the main point of this one. But I have a note here. You know what it kind of reminded me of? the book just in certain ways not in content uh lonesome dove okay just the sprawling thing some likable characters just kill off you know it doesn't seem fair but that's life right and you keep going with certain sometimes you think it's gonna be a minor character and he's got a pretty big part later on you know just no, that I- sort of thing you know like life isn't fair this is how it goes I like that guy. I don't think you're know, dead. You know, but, you know. <laughs> no, I, I I can see the 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 connection there. Um, but no, yeah, it's if it was kind of. I don't know if I would say this is, and you would probably know better than I would. This would probably be the best entry point into Kay's like writing, just because it's the not the beginning of a of a series or a. I would start with the brightness long ago. I would start with the first one of this trilogy. Or if you told me, hey, next week we're going to start in another K, mm-hmm. I would almost insist on it being uh, the Lions of Al Rasan. I was going to say that was the one that kept popping up as sort of like his, his most That's popular good. or. It was, it, it's kind of this type of thing, only it's um, 
Spain under Muslim rule. Okay. But it's called, you know, Al-Rasan instead of the Alhambra. Um, the Muslims are called Asherites here. It, it's interesting. Christians are Jadites. Anyway, it's kind of like a epic adventure type thing in in the Spain, Spain the way Kay does it. Mm-hmm. It was just really good. That was one of the first ones of his I read. It's, it's probably still my favorite. I really like these, but that would the lines of Alrasan is probably my favorite of his. Something struck me while I was reading this. Are these books as enjoyable if you don't know the references to actual life? Like I think they would be. And you don't have to know all uh he has two. And actually the first guy Gabriel K I read. It's called uh, Under the Stars. Okay. I'm blanking on it. Look up his. But it takes place in uh, ancient China. And I didn't know any of the references. I kind of pieced together that it was supposed to be historical. Under Heaven? Under Heaven. Okay. Yeah. I almost said Under the Banner of Heaven, but that's different. Under Heaven. And then A River of Stars is the sequel. Mm-hmm. Those were the first two of his I read. And I didn't know like 90% of the historical references because but it's it turns out it's pretty solidly rooted in Chinese history and it was still fun because a lot of it is you know like an adventure story little espionage little uh politics I will say I like how he does politics too it's kind of subtle how power really works perception versus reality and that sort of thing so actually you don't have to be a big history buff to enjoy these I agree because I was, I think for the first hundred pages of the book, I just read it as like a pure fantasy. And I knew there was, like you had said, it was kind of clearly obvious that it's referencing, you know, like our world, I guess is a way of putting it. But I think you could read it in sort of just like, oh, this is the, the world he's created without, but I, I saw in the end, I think it works both ways, if that makes sense. Like, it works both with knowing yeah. the historical context and if you didn't know the historical context, I think the book would still work. But Oh, yeah, it's a, good, it's a fun story. It's just an extra little thing to look for if you're into it. It's yeah. What country, what city is supposed to be. Venice, yeah, all that kind of stuff. The, yeah. Yeah. But, no, I... I um. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it it's funny when I when I got the copy of the book, Michael Shabon has the blurb on the front of the cover. I was like, oh, that's kind of strange. Like Shabon kind of writes like literary fiction in a way. Not he's kind yeah, of yeah, he's a highfalutin literary guy. Yeah, but he does have sort a, sort of a not an adventurous streak in his writing, but sort of a wonder. Some of his characters have like a bigger. Uh, it's not. I don't know how to put it. It's not literary fiction in, in a certain way that we've talked about it before. We're talking about Shabon. Michael Shabon. Yeah, it's sort of like yeah, yeah, Adventures of Cavaliers and Clay, or yeah. uh, I would say The Wonder Boys is more like a literary fiction, but he does have a genre style yeah, to himself. Yeah. Definitely. I and agree. I thought it was kind of like, oh, this is kind of interesting that he's the blurb on the on the book. Mm-hmm. But after reading the book, I was like, oh, this you could totally see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand the connection between the two that I didn't at the beginning. So this could these could easily be in the fiction section at a bookshop. 
and you wouldn't it wouldn't bother me at all it, i agree it but they, they clearly market it as fantasy see and i think some of that is his first his first three it's called the fionavar tapestry mm-hmm. those are straight up fantasy. people people get sent to a magical realm they're fantasy okay you know more tolkien or c.s lewis-esque type so i think and i think that labeled and I, they they did well and from what i gather if if that happens to you as an author, you're kind of like the your agent, your publishers know how to market you, and that's just where you're at. Well, your it would be hard, I would think, for him to kind of trans. It's hard for an author to transition between, yeah, like. And I read some interviews with him, and I don't think he cares. Okay, like, how would you categorize this historical fantasy? Or he's like, I don't know, whatever. He kind of yeah, I, I appreciate that because, yeah, I think he kind of maybe puts the publisher in a tough spot like it's clearly you could market this as fantasy or but to switch it to oh now he's writing historical fiction but it seems i don't know it's probably don't i i would totally get i don't know but it I would, felt unique to me as someone who as a like a new reader to him yeah. like it was a new experience i liked it a lot and i think other people would like it, it i came into it thinking it was okay this is a new fantasy author or whatever um but it's not that there's something more to it and it's four stars man four stars i give five well, give my- five okay i like yeah. it I, I really i like him he's one but of my i would favorite. say i would read more of k he's one of my favorite living authors he's alive peter he's alive yeah hey if you like this book fan of k and want a first edition mm-hmm. you know where you could buy it where's that soaring hog vintage okay an online retailer personal brokerage servicer does okay. books fine art and selected collectibles i like that yeah Based in north carolina i actually talked to dana the owner she's a certified appraiser of oh really rare goods yeah yeah. I like that. So, if you're into the vintage stuff, paintings, whatever, books too, look her up. She's online. Anywhere in the world, order you, you know, if you're interested in that sort of stuff, go to Soaring Hawk Vintage. And you might just might get, whether you want it or not, a there will be books bookmark in <laughs> stuff. Hey, don't don't say that like that's a bad thing. It's, a- yeah. it's like remember when uh you two and Apple had that promotion, and everybody with an iPod just got the YouTube album and hated it. Hey, be like that, but but good. Am I Bono or are you Edge? No, we're not you two. We're um, we're Pink Floyd. Or I'm trying to think of old band where they're all alive. Simon and Garfunkel. Simon and Garfunkel. Only we get along. Okay, I'll so, be Garfunkel. Yeah. Anyway, I like that. Good shout out. Um, but no, I would say it, it's a weird, it's just, it's, it's a weird recommend because I don't, because I think people who are like, oh, I read fantasy or I read historical fiction, they might not totally buy into wanting to, I think the fantasy fans probably have read K, but maybe historical fiction. I think fiction historical fiction, fiction people would like it too. I think. Oh, I would think they would almost I, I, like it more than fantasy authors. I would, if you're listening to this, I would wholeheartedly recommend Guy Gabriel K to you. It's just a question of where to start. 
I would be one of me. That's a good point. Yeah. And frankly, if you're a hardcore fantasy person, it is the Fionavar tapestry is very good. Um, it's interesting. I don't. This could be a whole tangent, so I'll I'll keep it brief. But he was when he was young, Christopher Tolkien was mm-hmm. looking for somebody to help him kind of edit his father, like right after J.R.R. died, so in the seventies. He needed somebody to help him edit his father's papers. For whatever reason, Guy Gabriel Kay got hired to be Christopher Tolkien's assistant, and he oh, helped really? edit the Silmarillion. Really? So that was like he was a young go-getter who helped edit what became the Silmarillion. And then he, I think a decade later in the 80s, came out with this fantasy trilogy. It's actually really well done. You can see Tolkien's influence and some other stuff. And so anyway, that's a I, I think a cool little tidbit about the guy. Like, who knew he? You know, he's still that, alive and writing. That connection. I know. Yeah, <laughs> he's like my dad's age. He's not old, you know. Uh, but anyway, uh, if you're a hardcore fantasy person, the Fionavar Tapestry is a good place to start. I recommend the Lions of Alrissan pretty highly too. And this one's good. Like you, you started. This is your first one, and it's. It's, like a it's very enjoyable. I any sort of like, oh, I wish I knew more about this character. It was very minor. Um, he yeah. he doesn't leave it to be like, oh, you need to read the other two books, sort of in this world or with these characters to enjoy this book. Yeah. I enjoyed the book quite a bit, and I didn't have any sort of background in it. So, uh, I think yeah. So well, that is all the seas of of the world by Guy Gabriel K. Matt, uh, do you want to transition over to February nominations? And we kind of made a pack together where we were going to nominate short stories this month, the shortest month of the year. So we thought it would be fitting to go into the short story uh, world. Um, How do you feel about your nominations this month? Pretty good. I wound up, I got a little carried away. I might have five. Okay. Three. Um, I thought I knew what I was going to choose. Like, we're, we're definitely going to do this one. I'm still going to advocate for it, but I actually like my others. Okay. So my question for you is, did you bring, because sometimes you bring the heat. Uh-huh. And it's good. And sometimes you're just like, eh. Well, so. I, I got to thinking because um, I don't know if I've talked about this on, on the podcast before, English major in college. Like the short story is really like where you, not where you learn how to like write or sort of, I was a creative writing, like that was my focus or whatever, but it's, it seems bigger in college than what people read. Does that make sense? Like people- It does seem like literary short stories are maybe written for and by MFA. Yes. That's kind of where I was going, where it's like, I haven't had a Raymond Chandler conversation or not Raymond, Raymond Carver conversation like since college, mm-hmm. but like in college, that's all we like, not all we talked about, but I had a lot of like, no, I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was, I was thinking about like the short story and I'll be honest, like in the last few years, I've read short story collections and they've been a little bit hit or miss. Like I'll like a story and then I'll read the next one. And I don't know what like it's yeah, just kind yeah. of like an empty feeling so it's sometimes they're boring yes yeah <laughs> just frankly yeah well I, I think that's it's it's a 
like short story collections are hard for me personally to like gauge because I'll love three or four stories, but like three or four stories don't I just don't have any effect on me. So I'm like, so how do I feel about this author? So it's it's a little bit of a tricky thing to like sort of come up with nominations. I went a little bit like classic short okay, stories. I was I figured you'd maybe go with some some Hemingway, some some like heavy hitter literary well, okay. no, I thought of Hemingway, but no Hemingway this month. Okay, okay. So, but yeah, so, I, what's your experience with short stories? Well, I actually usually I like the genre short stories. Mm-hmm. What people, the literary stuff we're talking about, I actually kind of tend not to like them. But like a good horror story, or I like Neil Gaiman's collection of short stories. Okay, they're good. So I thought, though, though I really like those. And I thought I was going to go in that direction, but I actually kind of took a turn towards maybe more Peter type and one Neil Gaiman that I didn't take off. I don't okay. know if you've chosen, but I like it. So I I'll, I have five for you. And you may be surprised at some of them. Because sometimes I, it, I remember this in college and um, I would read a short story and then we talk about like how great it is and I would never connect with it. So I'm like, maybe I was just the wrong age. But then sometimes I would read the short story and be like, oh, this is fantastic. So I kind of have a conflicted past and present with the short story. Like in my mind, I should like them more than I do. Like Uh, I I continually check them out every year, like a new, uh, you know, oh, this gets all the rave reviews. I should read this. And then I'm left being like "Eh," lukewarm sometimes. So no, I'm with you. They, okay. can, they can be a little pretentious and boring sometimes. I didn't say that. They can be. They're not all done all. <laughs> there are good ones too, but you know, sometimes. Um, yeah. How do you, I have specific stories for most of these. I have, I, I have specific stories for all my nominations, but I would be open to saying like, let's read this author's short stories. Maybe a couple of them. So. Oh yeah. I have specific stories. Okay. Not collections, just specific stories. One okay. one's fairly long, but no, just the stories, I think. And we'll probably wind up picking two, but hey. Right. There we go. Um, do you want to start us off? Yeah. Okay. I'll start with the Neil Gaiman one I mentioned, uh, a genre one. It's called A Study in Emerald. Okay. It is Neil Gaiman's take on Sherlock Holmes in the world of H.P. Lovecraft. It's pretty fun. It's a good, it's like a Sherlock Holmes story in the H.P. Lovecraft uh, universe. That's all I'll say. It's a good, I've read it before. It's a good, it feels like a Sherlock Holmes story. It's a good little twist. Uh, It's fun. It's good. Sherlock Holmes he is like like the character of Sherlock Holmes short story. That's what I think of. Those are the short stories I love. That's like it's a, weird. They don't really teach Sherlock Holmes in like college. Well, because they teach literary short stories in college. That's probably the dividing one, right? Yeah. Like a, a good horror story is technically a short story, but they don't teach that or Sherlock Holmes. They don't teach the fun stuff in MFA programs. For there the you go. Like they I teach would... they teach your boring stuff, and they get you know. So, so yeah, boring stuff because I'm going to nominate some it's stuff. Just, it's not all boring. 
but um, people know what I mean. Yeah. All right. I got. Let me do two real quick. Yeah. I wanted to do. I was. I. I literally searched. I had some ideas of what authors I wanted to like, maybe nominate, but I wanted to see something else catch my eye. And I was. I was wondering if you had read the short story by Mirakami, "The Elephant Vanishes." No, I have that collection though. You do have that collection. That's yeah, sort yeah. of I, that kind of struck me as sort of a something that you would like. So that was one that I kind of wrote down, and it, it sort of seems like a what it sounds like: an elephant vanishes, and the narrator of the story. It's, I don't know exactly how it's told, but it seems a little bit like a, not supernatural, but sort of an odd telling of a story I like a murakami thing like a surreal uh, yeah that one was for you um and then this one is from my college past and that would be uh raymond carver story cathedral um i i believe i've read this book i must have read this book raymond carver uh i don't know if this is still the case but 15 years ago i feel like raymond carver stories were like taught in college mm-hmm. um he kind of has this past of I don't know if you know this, but like his editor at the time, like highly influenced how his stories kind of like took shape. So they were pared down, I think, if I remember correctly, to make them shorter and more concise. Um, So Cathedral is kind of like his major big story that he wrote at the time or kind of that was taught at the time in mid 2000s. So those are my two, Mirakami and Ray McCarver. Have you read Raymond Carver before? I haven't. You haven't? Okay. Because he was... Short story guy. Yes. He was... I don't I don't believe he wrote a novel. I could be completely wrong about that, but I think he just wrote short stories. So... But he was the MFA short story. Like, this is how you write a yeah. short story. The cathedral is just a story, right? Not a collection. It's just a story, yes. Okay. We just, we just do story. Okay. Okay. All right, Matt, give me, uh, you can give me one or two. So let's do this one technically isn't like a literary short story tech. It'd be categorized as nonfiction, but just how true it is is up for debate. Okay. It is, but it's like one of the seminal Hunter S. Thompson pieces called the Kentucky Derby is decadent and depraved. And it's basically Hunter S. Thompson goes to the Kentucky Derby and behaves like Hunter S. Thompson. That's essentially, you know, yeah. I like that. what it is. If you find one, the illustrated by Ralph Steadman version, it's, uh, yeah. I have never read Hunter S. Thompson. It'd be a good place to start. Is that surprising to you or is that? No, I think I already knew that. Okay. He's fun. He's funnier than people give him credit for. I think a lot of young, a lot of the youngsters read him and get caught up in the mythos and like the alcohol and drug use and stuff and miss how he's actually a funny good writer especially his early stuff so by the time i like heard of him it seemed to me it seemed like a um like an indie band that already had enough fans like he did he didn't need to be like oh hunter s thompson's great like so Mm -hmm. that's a silly reason not to read an author but that's what i felt like when i i'm with you I know what you I mean. heard about exactly what you mean, yeah. like, oh, he's got enough people talking about him. Yeah, I don't need to add 
I don't need to. I don't need to read him and be like, "Hey," to the random stranger, uh, you should read "Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas." Mm-hmm. I'm with you. no. I know what you mean. Sometimes his fans can maybe get in the way of people appreciating the work itself. But yeah, he's, fun. Not he's just... a funny writer. Okay. Yeah. That's so great. that. Uh, I don't want to like say I don't want to read this, but I'm just saying that's where I came come from with. I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, do you want to do another one? Yeah. Okay. This one uh, I ran across. Um, I've actually read it. It is the basic concept is a farmer in New Hampshire, down on his luck, okay. says. Offhand, I'd sell my soul for two bits. Sure enough, later that night, the devil shows up. He signs away his soul and has good fortune. And it looks like he's going to lose his soul to the devil. But the ghost of Daniel Webster shows up and there's a little courtroom. It's like a little legal drama. And Daniel Webster does battle in a court of uh, American luminaries serving as the jury uh, to get this guy, win this guy's soul back. It's called The Devil and Daniel Webster by Stephen Vincent Benet. It is actually, I did not know this until I read the story. Uh, there is a Simpsons episode that's kind of based on this. The one where Homer sells his soul for a donut. I can't, this is not going to be a surprise to you, but it might be to the listener. The Simpsons, I'm not... Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I know they're much smarter than what I, in my head, give them credit for. Like, they're... I would... I feel like I would enjoy The, the Simpsons if I, like... The seasons... Really invested two. in The Simpsons. Yeah. But... I don't know. They've got, I mean, they're still going. They're not good anymore. But seasons two through nine, two through ten, are, are great. It seems like anyway, a lot of seasons. But that's not the point. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of seasons. At their peak, they were good. But they're like season 30-something now. So they've are they still of, going? The Simpsons yeah, they're are still, still going. going. They've, they've trailed off significantly. Okay. I don't watch it anymore. But anyway, peak Simpsons. It's two through eight or th- two through ten. Devil and Daniel Webster. It's a good chunk. It's like a good chunk of Americana. If we choose this one, you'll kind of see it. It feels very old, old school. And it's 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 good. It's things technically literary. But it's entertaining. Hey, Daniel that's, Webster. That's big of you. You're not usually the uh, literary fan there. Yeah, you'll see. I got one more literary one. Okay. Um, where do I? I have three more nominations left. Well, four technically. Oh, do two. Um, this is an author that I've never read. I think you've heard of him. I don't think you have read before. Um, I'm going to pronounce the name and I hope I don't say it wrong. Kate Chopin. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Awakening is probably the book you've probably yeah, heard yeah. of. Okay. She yeah. came up on a list where I would say it's like the best American short stories, right? You know, I love lists. Two stories stood out for me and I have a, I have a collection of her sh- short stories where these two books, these two stories, um, appear and that's the storm and regret i just thought let's throw out the name i don't know if sometimes it's just the author's name sometimes with me it just catches me like hey i haven't read this author i should probably read this author right 
So I wanted to mention those two stories, The Storm and Regret. If there's another story you want to read, more than willing to nominate that too. Um, and then the other one, and I think you 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 do this sometimes where you post Instagram photos of books that you're going to nominate. And I think, is he going to nominate the story that I'm going to nominate? I, I looked at your 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 post here, Matt. Okay. And I'm willing to bet there's a 50-50 chance that we're going to nominate the same story. Okay. But you sometimes throw me off. You, you include books that you aren't going to nominate, right? Yeah. It's a whole big thing. The story I'm going to nominate is An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge by Ambrose Pierce. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've been meaning to read Ambrose Pierce for a long time. I might have read a short story here or there in college, but I don't remember it. And this is sort of like his famous story that kind of not only is a, a great short story, but sort of introduces maybe some kind of like I've 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 read stream of consciousness to the sort of short story genre or, or writing that's kind of it's an influential short story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. To say the least. Um and I wanted to nominate that one just because personally, I feel like that's a, you know, a gap in my reading, so to speak. So years. Yeah. I didn't wind up nominating that. I like Beers a lot. I read him. Okay. I wound up pairing like all the books I posted today were genuine contenders. I just had to pare them down. Mm-hmm. So okay, that's a good one. I went with the, uh, Another big gun. This is my last literary one. If you hear dogs barking in the background, no. that is a do- that's one of my dogs in the back. Dogs. <laughs> well, my dog's behaving. He's right here. That's very good. He's producing the podcast, so it's yeah. All right, man. Oh, I any any feelings about Kate Chopin and Ambrose? Kate? I don't know about enough about Chopin to. Uh... But don't you feel like you hear the name and you're like, I should probably read. Yeah, awaken. I know. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Okay. Just, I feel like sometimes it's good for us to sort of. We do need to branch out. Right. Yeah. But, well, speaking of, you've heard of Herman Melville, right? I have. He wrote more than just Moby Dick. I, I wrote some short stories. So this one, I've wanted to read this one for a long time. It's the longest, maybe the longest one that we've nominated. Okay. Based on true story. Benito Sereno. Okay. You heard of that? I have. I'm pretty sure I read it. Yeah. Well, I took, do you, I took a Herman Melville was my, it's yeah. called a capstone course. And it, where I went to school, it's like you, mm-hmm. you focus on one author, read Moby Dick. I believe I read Benito Sereno, probably mm-hmm. the Scrivener, um, type E. So, I would actually be curious to revisit this because not that I was like overloaded with Melville for the semester, but I feel like it was probably in the end had a negative effect on me as far as like, yeah. do I like this author? Too Which much I, Melville. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Like you're yeah. just yeah taking a course, you're writing all these papers on this one author and it's just like, okay. To make it Okay. That was at the end of the course too. So, okay. well, I'll keep that in mind. I've always been fascinated. The truth, the story is based on. Okay. There was a slave revolt 
on a, on a slave ship, uh, like like the 1840s or something. Yeah. And the slaves took over, uh, kept the the slavers alive. And then another ship comes along, and they see the ship floating, and it gets boarded. And so, after the slaves have taken control of the ship, they're about to get boarded by this other ship. And so they have to revert back to pretend to assume their old roles. Mm-hmm. The slaves who have control of the ship have to turn around and pretend to be slaves again. So like now they're being inspected by this third ship. And so there's a lot of tension. Like the, the people inspecting it can feel something's off, but they can't quite fathom what it would be. It's just a, it seems it's a fascinating story. True story. And I've always been curious to see how it's handled in a, a short story situation. You haven't read Melville, correct? I haven't. So this could be like filling in a gap, mining a gap, right? I read an account of the true story and they mentioned Benita Serena. I was like, this could be, yeah, could be fun. I feel like that's kind of like in your alley too. I like stuff like that. Historical, not fiction, but like based on on historical, historical fact. Lot of, there's a lot of drama in that story, right? There's it a is a very dramatic like scenario. Let's see. So anyway, that was my was my literary. Uh, I didn't know your experience with Melville though. That that yeah. I have one more for you, okay. Yeah. And this is an author we've previously read and both really liked a lot. Um and I I believe you read this story. I could be completely wrong about this. But that would be the lottery by Shirley Jackson. Oh yeah, that's yeah. That's okay, one. so that was on one of the lists I was looking at as far as like you know great short stories. You've read this, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I've read a short story collection by her, and she's a very good writer in general. But the all every short story in that collection was great. I a lot of times, like the lottery is like the headlining piece of her. It should be. It's 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 very good. So I, her- I I wanted to put that out there as a let's revisit Shirley Jackson and see that. Is that cheating? I don't that's know. the one that Brian. I'm like, oh, because there'd be content. Like, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, be a lot of content. A lot of. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. Uh, don't get upset. I'm just, you know, pointing out. No, I'm not. A, I'm excited. I'm not okay. upset. I'm like, okay, well, that's probably. Oh, so, so I got one more. Was that your last one? That's my last one. Okay, my last one is also one that could be read on Halloween. The lottery is kind of a creepy Halloweeny one. Mm-hmm. It also works for like winter type. Uh... This one is by a writer we both read and really like. Um, works for both Halloween and Valentine's Day. Our character is a mystery writer, like a gritty crime slash mystery writer who inherits his aunt's cabin in the woods, but turns out the cabin is haunted, not by a ghost, but by like the spirit of romance. And our author finds out he can't write his mystery novels. He sits down to write and it keeps like turning into a love story and he's horrified because he hates it. I have no idea what this it's is. called Honeysuckle Cottage by P.G. Woodhouse. Oh. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's really funny. I think it's probably one of his more famous like short, sto- short stories. Okay. Um, but yeah. 
Yeah, that's pretty good. In the back of my mind, I was like, oh, we'll probably wind up at least doing that in one of yours. But we should keep it open because we had we kind of covered a, a broad array. Of- this is a um, yeah more literary than I thought. Um, yeah. in many ways, maybe my list more than yours. But well, no, well, I, I figured you'd bring literary. Stuff. Yeah. No Hemingway. You did good. I, I thought of Hills Like White Elephants, I'll I'll be honest. Because yeah, yeah. when I was thinking about this, I, there's some stories that I wanted to return to to be like, did I miss something? Did I not understand like the brilliance of the short story? It was, it was a, what I was coming back to a lot. Like, am I a dummy? Probably. But yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, I left off a bunch. I was we could do this more like next sometime in the summer when we need to catch up or whatever. Cause there's a, like I left off Paul Bowles. Who's a great short, short story writer, uh, Dorothy Parker. I have a collection of her stuff. There's a, I would say one of my favorite modern short story authors is an author called Ron Rash. Um, yeah. Who he's written a lot of like short stories and he's written a lot of novels. One of his novels was turned into a, um, blanking on the title but with bradley cooper and uh i think jennifer lawrence like one of his novels starts with an s that's the one i serena serena i i've been curious about that for a while um i've read his short stories and i thought they were like really good right up my alley so there are some authors that i've read or i don't know why i didn't nominate them this time george saunders i thought we could i thought you were going to nominate maybe a george saunders um i actually like his novel more than his short stories oddly enough um so this is yeah this is something that we could come back to right yeah so but we're almost an hour and a half into this episode there's no clock it's fine clock uh what are you feeling as far as this list well not to be boring i'm feeling the lottery and honeysuckle cottage Part of me, maybe we should do the Kate Chopin just to to veer off and do something we wouldn't normally do. Mm-hmm. How long are her stories? They're pretty short. They're, They're short. Like, some of them are like four pages. I think the the two I I nominated, um, Storm and Regret, are if they're ten pages, that's high. I don't have I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I was looking at them and they're okay. Well, the of yours, okay. Let's do storm because it sounds less bummer than regret. Let's do storm. Okay, the storm by Casey and the and lottery. You down for lottery? I am down for lottery. Okay, I'm looking at the list. Okay, okay, storm and lottery. We could handle that. And then you pick which one of mine do you want to do? Um. Let's do Honeysuckle Cottage. Honeysuckle Cottage? Yeah. We can manage three short stories. That's. I think we can do that. Does that sound good? So we have The Storm by Kate Chopin. We have The Lottery by Shirley. That one's a little bit longer, right? Or am I? Yeah, but it's it's not. It's not. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. So we have The Lottery by Shirley Jackson, The Storm by Kate Chopin, and then Honeysuckle Cottage by P.G. Woodhouse. I think that's a good mix, right? It's a good mix. Yeah. Okay. We won't do anymore. I kind of halfway tempted to make you do the study in Emerald, but whoa, the the those the three we're doing should give us enough 
content for another 90 minute episode. I agree. I agree. Okay. Okay. All right. Do you want, you want to add more or are you, are you content? Let's, let's rein it in. I could add more, but let's just rein it in. This is good, right? I, yeah. Cause I'm going to read what our TBR is right now. And it's, it's not getting out of control, but it's, we probably don't need to add a lot more to our suitcase is getting full. It's getting full. Okay. But no, it's, um, so let's see here. We have upcoming uh, episodes that we'll have. Um, we'll have the Blythdale romance, which uh, me and Matt were talking about this before we started recording. I've it's kind of it's kind of surprised me how much I liked that that book um, by Nathaniel Hawthorne. I thought it would be a little bit stuffy and kind of I wouldn't get into the writing as as I wouldn't enjoy the writing as much as I have, and that's kind of been um, if you just think like kind of Nathaniel Hawthorne eh, I might not like it I would give it a chance at least and uh, I think it'll be a surprise there Uh, we have the Master Margarita we have uh, A Time to Be Born a new Don Powell Uh, the Manticore uh, the the next in the what's that series called again Matt the oh why am I blanking it's the Robertson Davies Robertson Davies the second one in the trilogy. Um, we have Life and Fate, which we will finish in 2023. We have The Once and Future King is another seasonal read. I Need to Read Ironweed by William Kennedy. Um, and then we have uh, Slow Horses, which is our thriller book uh, over on the Patreon. Am I forgetting anything, Matt? Once and Future King. I And... The David Foster Wallace. Oh yes, I I owe Matt some essays I need to read. We'll probably do piece. We can split that up. We'll do piecemeal throughout the year. So it's not as that's one of Matt's favorite authors. Would you consider that? That's who I read in college. Instead of Raymond Carver, uh, I read Hunter S. Thompson and David Foster Wallace and problematic lit lit bros lit bros and i am delving in i i couldn't dive into the fiction of uh that's another undertaking that we will probably get that's to later that's one later on know. let me get into the nonfiction of david foster Wallace. so we'll read it pick an essay and read and we'll do that halfway soon i think blithedale will be real soon mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, we're knocking stuff off as we get them going we this had, is for the deptford trilogy the Deptford Trilly, yes. Which is, uh, we both really enjoyed the first book and actually were happily surprised by how much we liked and thought was, you know, Robertson Davies is uh, an author I, we both think you should read. So a lot of good stuff uh, coming up here, man, right? Canadians. We're doing some Canadian authors. Hey, I, I have no problem with that. So, that um, am I forgetting anything, Matt? Probably, but I'm forgetting it too. Okay. We just posted an uh, interview with an author. Um, if, you, if you listen to the podcast, you'll see that. Uh, talking about the book Diplomats and Admirals is the book uh, we both uh, enjoyed quite a bit with uh, talking to the author Dale A. Jenkins. So uh, check that out if you're um, kind of a fan of World War II 
history in the Pacific. Um, you and I both thought yeah, it for people too. It, I was thinking about it. It'd be a really good gift for your father-in-law or dad or brother. It's always talking about history. Mm-hmm. It really yep. is a good book, and they would they would enjoy that type of thing. You, now, you and I were talking. Not only does it um, you learn a lot about kind of like the history around that time, but it it kind of kickstart your interest in the time. Like sometimes you're like, oh. I like reading about something and then you go a couple of years without reading a World War II history book and then you're like, oh, this is why I like reading about this. That's what it, that book did for me. So it'll make you want to get really into dive into Pacific battleship, battleship World War II type stuff. So and uh, you buy, if you're interested in all these and want to read along, go buy them at Soaring Hawk Vintage. There you go, man. I pretty, yeah. So yeah, we're we're shouting out some um, independent bookstores because we're uh, a fan of them. Um, uh, I don't think we have anything other. That's it. House, housekeeping. Tune in next week for more bookish hijinks. I think we're gonna have a hodgepodge episode next week, so that should be fun. Where we we bring up some of the books that we're reading on the side, some of the mistress books that we read on the side that we don't tell each other what we're reading you didn't even mention your little jagger hoover book that your 800 page jagger hoover book you're reading that's on the side matt that's on the side well bring up bring us some jagger hoover facts i i will write down three jagger hoover facts oh yeah we will do we got some mailbag questions already uh if you have any more within the next week shoot us some mailbag questions that will be books and we will answer them on air there you go it's matt's favorite thing Best all over the internet i'm really excited i love mailbag episodes <laughs> thanks for listening and we will talk to you soon no chiefs brother